Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here today with a very exciting guest in Sean Dillman. Sean is the founder of Waythorn, somebody I met recently, and he has a very interesting background in helping out attorneys with an issue that we are increasingly finding with our own clients and people that we speak to, which is dealing with technology. So thanks for coming on the show, Sean. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Okay, so I wanted to start out with just sort of a situation. I know that the word technology gets thrown around a lot, but uh, as we were kind of discussing in the pre-call, I think a lot of the people that can benefit from what you have to hear might not know that they have a problem. So when people come to you, what are the kind of situations that they're finding themselves in? Like, what's a sign that somebody should probably get with the times as far as their tech stack? Well, that's a great question. There's so many examples that have kind of come up for me recently. And to some degree, you know, I feel that I definitely can't really help somebody unless they want to help themselves. I'm not always sure what exactly the breaking point is on their side when they realize that they need to get with it because, you know, it can be tricky. Uh, you know, for example, there's there's a law firm in the city that I'm in. They are really, you know, heavy, paper heavy firm. They have massive binders for every litigation matter. They scan the documents, but they don't actually use them. And they, you know, sometimes they rescan documents and... I think that they're they're starting to appreciate that that's you know they're just losing so much time and it's it's impractical. I think that the pandemic has really exacerbated that. They realize that they don't have as much access to their documents as they need. So so perhaps that's actually a good example of of what you're suggesting, which is that people are appreciating that their technology isn't where it needs to be because it's kind of letting them down. You know, in this you know even in this particular you know situation that we're in. Over the past two years, I was co-managing a law firm with my partner. And, you know, when we started the thing, we're, we're both tech savvy guys. I've got a background in computer hardware. His background um, is in computer software. So we we built our firm, you know, from the ground up ourselves. And one of the main things that we ensured that we had in place was cloud computing so that when I leave the office at five o'clock, um, I can still access all of my my files at home and I can access my my uh, my calendar, you know, at home or on my cell phone. I can access my files on my cell phone. You know, I always have my data and my files just right at the, the tip of my fingers. So I guess my answer is that it, there's, there's lots of different uh, situations or problems that come up that bring people to realize like, oh, I need, I need to make a change. But I think that not having access to data is actually one that I'm starting to see a little bit more. Now, now that I think about it, like what the fundamental issue is, it's that people are working at home or people are working remotely and, and they don't have the access to the data that they, they want to have. Yeah. And it's a good thing. I just wanted to make sure we started off with this too, because like we got situations, our listenership sort of reflects the the client base that we have. And we have people that are talking about integrating 36 different step processes on Zapier with 12 different CRMs. And we've got people who have a, you know, the spiral binder to keep the attention to their notepads. And if they forget at home that day, then their whole business grinds to a halt, right? So um, yeah, I mean, obviously we have a big situation with the range of people that can coming, but, you know, just kind of as far as how you got into this, Sean, you know, what led you to, to, to being as interested in technology and, and the opportunity to really find some people who need some help with that today? Well, to kind of look at recent years and then, and then maybe I'll go back a little bit. And this actually ties into what you were just saying. There was, there was a word in my mind that I really 
felt like saying, which is sympathy. I have a lot of sympathy for lawyers these days who, uh, and I don't, I don't, I, I really don't mean this to sound silly or arrogant or anything, but I feel, I have sympathy for people that don't have the tech skills that I have because I, I, there, it's confusing. There's a lot of different things happening in legal tech. So if you, if you look at the people that you mentioned that they've got like Zapier integrations and they've got all this tech, you know, that can be a confusing system and I hope that it's working for them, but I have sympathy for them because if they're on the leading and bleeding edge, you know, it's a bit stressful, right? They need to make sure their stuff isn't breaking. They need to make sure that they're keeping current and all of that. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, if you've got lawyers that are still using, you know, a paper practice, they may feel pressure as far as like, you know, should, you know, should I be moving on and, oh, look at what that lawyer's doing and look what that firm's doing and, oh, am I behind the times or, you know, so, so on both ends of the spectrum, I have sympathy. The way that I actually got into doing the work that I'm doing now is uh, I was called in 2016. And basically, since I became a lawyer, I, I've worked at four different law firms and I, I wouldn't call it like a nonstop parade, but on a regular basis, I would have uh, legal assistants or lawyers or fellow students, all kinds of people who would see the way that I was using my technology and then they would ask me about it. So why did you orient your monitor that way? Or uh, what's that mouse you're using? It's, it looks cool. How did you redact that document? How did you make the website? And can you make a website for us? So while I was a practicing lawyer, I would have people ask me these things all the time. And it eventually started to kind of wear into me that like, oh, there's a desire here. Like, I know that these are just the people around me and it's not a, you know, a big sample or anything. But, you know, in my day to day work, I'm being asked by other lawyers and other people in the legal community for my advice and my help with how to use their technology. So that's that's one of the things that got me started, you know, in the past four years. But, you know, going all the way back, I, I was mentioning before we started, you know, going all the way back to when I was a kid, I just thought that computers were the greatest thing there was because of the power that I saw that they had. You know, when I was a kid, the thing that I wanted more than anything in the world was a laptop. And the reason that I wanted a laptop is because I, I thought at the time that, you know, with a laptop, you could do anything. And that's not necessarily true. However, I'm not sure how many, you know, digital nomads are, are really out there and who are really successful, but you can do a lot with a laptop. You know, you can run a law firm from a laptop on a beach somewhere or, you know, you, you can do a lot with a, a laptop. I'm, I'm speaking to you on a laptop right now, of course. Right. So. So, yeah, as a kid, I, I just love that stuff. And I just it just kind of carried through. I went to college for computers. I worked at IBM for three years as a technician. Fantastic job. I learned, you know, top to bottom, everything about, you know, the actual hardware and, you know, fixing it and making sure it works. And then I thought that I could, you know, do more, which I think is, is a, a story that a lot of people have. So I went to university. Uh, I studied English because I, I, I did well at that in, uh, in high school and law school. Law school was the end goal. So, so I took English because I wanted to be able to get good grades. I used a lot of my tech, you know, my tech savvy, you know, skills or my tech prowess at, at undergrad and at undergrad, I graduated summa cum laude, like straight A's, you know, only A's and A pluses. That's all I got. They put my name in the newspaper. You know, I know that there's a lot of talented people in the legal space that have similar stories, but that's mine. And then, yeah, I went to law school and yeah. And then that links up to what I said about basically, as soon as I started working as a lawyer and even in law school, a little bit, people would ask me, you know, how are you keeping your notes or, you know, how did you, 
oh, I don't know, like, like the keyboard, you know, I've got a funny story about an ergonomic keyboard. I, I, I didn't realize that my typing technique was a bit off. So using an ergonomic keyboard helped me fix it. So anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time. But yeah, it's, it's just been really natural. It's, it's basically a passion for tech that has carried through and it just felt like the time was right. I've been at it since October of 2020 is, is essentially when I've started devoting my my full-time uh, you know, energy and, and passion into this. And yeah, it's, and it's been great. So so that's the story. Okay, gotcha. Now, you actually mentioned something that, that got me kind of um, thinking about some stuff. And it's, it's really interesting because people are listening to this podcast in the same medium as other podcasts in legal space. I don't have anything against those podcasts, but you could listen to a podcast like this and you could listen to a podcast about how to connect that crazy, you know, 12th, you know, black belt dojo, uh, Zapier integration at the same time. And people that don't know how to open the PDFs are like <laughs> listening to the same conversations. Right. And it's interesting that the, the thing that I've, um, you know, what I, what I keep hearing from your story, Sean, is that like you have this, I think the benefits that somebody can get from, not only shoring up some sort of a gap in their own ability to have technology, but to improve once you get that past, you know, the point of one and get to the 110, 120, 130% really kind of boils down to productivity. Like, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, part of the, part of the work that I do involves producing a course. And when I, you know, when I made the course and was looking at what I was including, and it was, it was a bit of a painstaking process as far as scripting and shooting and, and all the rest of it. But when I, when I was drafting the scripts, you know, I would read them back. And if I made comments or if I was saying things that didn't kind of directly, you know, result in a productivity increase or, or, or something tangible and helpful, like, you know, not everything is about productivity. For, for example, I have a, a lesson about online security, right? To me, you know, not getting hacked and, and not having your law firm, you know, uh, you know, not having a ransomware attack succeed and having your law firm shut down. That's important. I almost kind of don't call that productivity. It's almost like something else. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like it's the bed insurance it, policy. even. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's like, it's like the bedrock, you know, if you don't have that, you don't have anything, but you know, not to split hairs. Yes. Productivity is, is absolutely, you know, huge for me. You know, one of the things that I, I kind of poke fun at myself about is, I have a five minute video about a mouse, uh, like a computer mouse. And the reason that I have a five minute video about this computer mouse is because I think that it's amazing and I love it. And the reason that I think that I, it's amazing and I love it is because it has very specific features which are very useful and they save me time all the time. And by saving time all the time, you know, these little steps really add up. So, you know, that's why for me, you know, I surround myself with the best practical tech that I can have. And I always try to keep a pretty sharp focus on like, is this actually helping me be more productive? Or is this like, just like tech for the sake of tech? Or is this, is this not helpful? Right. And if it's not helpful, you know, we don't have time for that. Right. It's we're, we're busy people, you know, everybody's busy, but yeah. And it's really interesting too, because like, I have a feeling that, and again, it's, it's funny because, you know, you and I are both you know, pretty tech savvy guys we are both millennials and, you know, me doing marketing. It's like, I never worked at IBM, but we do enough stuff to integrate the stuff that we're doing where it's something that we're exposed to every day. And it's kind of like, you know, asking a fish what water is sometimes, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to put myself into the mind of somebody who has this. I certainly feel this way about other domains I'm not interested in, but I think that you might've hit on something right there. So it's like, people may not be taking the step one because so many people are talking to them about step 25. And ultimately if we're using that filter of productivity, it's like, okay, well, you might not be interested in, you know, having the most tuned up 
mouse example, but you know, are you interested in, in, you know, accomplishing your tasks 10% faster, whatever, like, you know, I don't know what the, you know yeah. what, actually, I think this would probably be a good segue. You, you tease this out a little bit, but I'm going to take the bait. Let's talk about your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the funny thing about the keyboard, so there's lots of keyboards that a person can have, right? And I use, I use, I actually, I'm not going to show you. I have a box over there. I have five different keyboards in that box, which I'm not using. I'm actually using a, a, a gaming keyboard. Often uh, gaming hardware is, is great hardware because it's built for performance, right? So, yeah. you know, like, so like a gaming PC is like, a, it's great. It's powerful, right? A gaming keyboard, a gaming mouse. For me, the thing about the keyboard actually, well, there's there's a difference between kind of a standard keyboard and a mechanical keyboard and mechanical keyboards are actually kind of faster, you know, not to get into the nitty gritty, but it, it actually has to do with like the switches that are in the keyboard so that when you push the key, it's actually faster. But my keyboard, you know, story of how, of how using a, an ergonomic keyboard really saved me is I was actually pressing here. I'm just, I'm just looking at the keyboard now, the Y and the T keys. Okay. For whatever reason, with my typing technique, I was pressing the T key with my right hand and I was pressing the Y key with my left hand. So I was reaching across with the wrong finger. And so, and the, partially the reason why I was able to do that or why I was doing that is a standard keyboard on a laptop or even kind of a standard rectangular keyboard on a PC, you know, your hand, the keys are right next to each other and they're all very close. When you use an ergonomic keyboard, I really like the Microsoft one. Uh, Logitech recently came out with one. I think it's called the K350. I haven't used it, but it looks fantastic. And I, I spoke with the Logitech rep recently, and he gave me the lowdown on like, you know, we made improvements here and there. It sounds like a great product. But anyway, so with an ergonomic keyboard, you know, people have seen these, right? They space out the hands so that your hands, your elbows are kind of flared out and your hands are kind of separated into the right hand keys and the left hand keys. So when I started using one, I realized that I was reaching across because the, the gap, the, the increased distance between these keys over here and these keys over here, it, it called me out because I was typing and then I tried to reach across and I was like, whoa, what am I doing? Like, why am I? So it helped me correct my typing technique. And then my typing speed went up like so and, and an ergonomic keyboard cost i don't know 50 dollars or whatever it costs and i've got this you know career and my life in front of me where i'm going to be using a keyboard you know that was a no-brainer for me and and you know i don't know if everybody's going to have that same kind of a you know an experience but you know ergonomic keyboards they're almost kind of like training wheels for typing technique they you know they make you think more and they make you they're, they're a little bit uncomfortable at first but that's that's part of what's good about them and that's part of how they they help yeah i don't know if you remember the 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 numbers itself sean but did you keep track of your words for men or anything like that over the course of this no but the reason that i could tell that it was an improvement is because i knew that i was always making errors especially you know if i was I'm, I'm trying to think of a word. I don't know any old word. If I was spelling cat with a T, yeah, <laughs> yeah, anything with a T or a Y, right? I was spelling the wrong word, and then I would have to, you know, I'd either like backspace or I, you know, I'd push the back arrow. And especially if I did like a lot of typing, like let's say I typed a big paragraph and I was just typing it out, right? So I type out the paragraph and I'm done. I look back at what I've typed and like there's a typo, there's a typo, there's a typo. Oh, surprise, surprise! It's like the T and the Y, right? So I didn't track it. You know, uh, it's so funny about, you know, before before I set up the law firm with my partner, somebody somebody was saying like, oh, you should have taken a bunch of photos of the empty space. And then afterwards, you should have taken a bunch of photos, you know, so you have like this cool before and after. 
And to me, sometimes, you know, you don't have time for the before and after because you're too busy doing it, right? So right. my point is I didn't make the initial measurement. I just wanted the solution, right? Like right. when I discovered this, I was actually right. I was still, I was right at the beginning of, um, of starting practice with a new firm. And um, it, there was pressure put on me essentially to take over the practice of, an out, of, a, of a lawyer who had left the firm. And um, I was actually almost kind of, I don't know if I'd use the word desperate, but I was pretty hungry for like, I have to, I have to reinvest some time. I need to sharpen my saw. I need to figure out better ways to do what I'm doing. And, and that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting too, because it's one of the things that we've been talking about on the podcast quite a bit is just this whole concept and look, super, super common thing that, I mean, what attorney doesn't say, oh my God, I wish I had more time in the day. Right. And there's options to do that. If you want to work until nine o'clock every night, that's an option. But if you want to do things 10% faster, then you can get that same amount done, clock out at 7:30. And I don't know if I'm doing my math right on that, but you know, different ways to reach the same outcome. Right. And like yeah. if you think about, you know, to your point, just the not, you know, if you notice it, uh, we don't have a number to put on it, but still it's like, you know, you could still be making TY transcription errors to this day and you could be doing it when you're 60 70 you know, however long you want to be working and it's a lifetime it's a lifetime of these little things that take you what two weeks to figure out or something like that and 50 bucks absolutely and you know one of the things and you know not to be too <laughs> self-promotional one of the things that i say in the first lesson of my video or, or or the first lesson of my course is i've got an analogy where at the firm that i opened with my partner we were really fortunate to get a legal assistant who joined us and she had been working as a legal assistant for over 30 years and she had never used multiple monitors before, never. So for me, it's a big deal that people use multiple monitors because I believe highly in, you know, the productivity increases. I don't have the stats, but I, you know, I think it's obvious that using two monitors is great because then you don't have to switch back and forth. You can look at two things back and forth and all the rest of it. And one day she said to me, she said, I didn't know that I needed it until I had it. And I went, whoa, I said, I said, Chris, can I please use that as part of, you know, my, my speech, my script and stuff. And she said, yeah, no problem. And I said, thank you so much because you're absolutely right. Like what you are saying is very much, you know, I didn't know that I needed it until I had it. So for me with my course, you know, part of the way that I've been promoting it and, and, and also just trying to do other forms of promotion. So with the course itself, I've been releasing lesson previews where at the beginning of the lesson preview, I say, here's how to do X. And then I basically say, here's why you want to do X. And then let's talk about doing X. And then I also, every Wednesday, I'm releasing a walkthrough, which is, you know, a, a lot of people have seen these. It's, it's my desktop. It's a screenshot where I can walk people through and say, you know, click here, then click here, click here. But it's also the same format. At the beginning, I say, you know, how to well, this one's so this one's obvious, you know, the one from a few weeks ago, you know, how to how to redact documents and avoid redacting mishaps, you know, that one's built right into the title, you know, what's this video about, it's about how to redact properly so that you don't you don't do something wrong. And then I show people how to do it. So, so yeah, no, I, I guess what I feel like I'm hearing from you, and I agree with is, there's the problem itself. And then there's even like a step back of like knowing that they have the problem or knowing that you've got the problem. And I'm, I'm trying my best to, to attack both, right. To show people, you know, you, you do have a problem. Uh, here's what it is and here's how we fix it. Yeah. It's super important. And then just to kind of like go through, like what other kind of Eureka moments have you been seeing commonly from people that are working with you or stuff that you address in the course? 
One of my biggest tips that is a eureka moment, uh, and I have uh, I have a lesson preview on this, and I, I use it every day. I already used it today. Uh, I definitely practice what I preach. Like a lot of the things that I use, I use them all the time, every day, and they're you know they're 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 indispensable tools to me. So one of them is, um, and and if anybody wants to to kind of you know try this now or, or write it down or something and try it after they watch this in Microsoft Office products. I guess a little bit over the past five years, maybe 10 years, I don't know. I don't know when they actually put it in. There's a function, it's called speak or speech. There's actually kind of two different versions. Uh, I prefer the one called speak. So I, in my videos, I show how to open it up. But basically, if you're in a, uh, a Word document or if you're in a new email, um, there's a little uh, triangle at the top of the window showing down. You click that and then you click on tools or, or commands or show more tools, something like that. And then you go to all tools and then you go down and you find this thing called speak and then you click add and then it adds it to your toolbar. So once you've got this thing, this little, this little play arrow, what you can do is you can highlight any of your text in, in Outlook or in Word or wherever you're using it. You hit this little button and then a computer voice will read out what you've written to you. So, you know, if I wrote a short email, it will go, you know, it will say, good morning, Daniel. Thank you for your talking with me yesterday, period. You know, it was, does it say period? No, it doesn't say period. You know, thank you for talking with me yesterday. It was a pleasure. As you have requested, please see the attached documents. The reason that this is useful, and I use this every day, and I think that this is, you know, definitely one of the reasons that I got straight A's at undergrad, is it's the best way in the world for, you know, assuming that a person has, has, has you know, they're hearing, you know, faculties, it's the best way in the world to detect typos and redundancy because you hear it. So the example that I used to use or, you know, and it's not a great one, but you know, he was, he was the smartest boy in the word. If you type that into outlook or word, the spell check isn't going to catch that because it's not smart enough yet. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't understand that smartest boy in the word makes no sense. Um, the problem is if you've typed, he was the smartest boy in the word. And, you know, you, you've, you've typed other things, you know, this is just one sentence in a paragraph. You know, that that's not what you meant to type. You meant to type. He was the smartest boy in the world, but your eyes, you know, you're going to get blind, right? You're not going to see that you're missing that letter, uh, outlook or, 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 you know, we'll stick with word, you know, word's not going to tell you that you've got that typo. So when I would get my papers back at university and I had, you know, an A or an A plus, I always felt like, Ooh, like. TAs and professors, you know, if they find a typo, it's like, ah, ha, ha, now I don't have to give it's you a an broken a. window. It's a broken window policy, right? That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So for me, when, you know, they, they'd give it back and they'd write like, you know, no typos impressive or, or something like that. And it's like, you bet there's no typos. But in addition to, to detecting typos, it actually also really helps with structure, redundancy, flow. You know, if, if you, you know, you're working hard on something, you spend two hours head down typing out a document, it's got four paragraphs, you know, in your first paragraph, and then your last paragraph, you, you start talking about similar things that should probably be grouped together. And then you can either reduce the size of paragraph one, or, you know, eliminate paragraph four entirely. Hearing the document essentially presents it to you to, to your ears in a way that a reader would experience it right because they've never seen your document before they're reading through it and this is this is what their experience is going to be so anyway i don't i, I don't mean to be too long-winded about it and i guess that's a, a little bit of a pun but no no that's good. <laughs> i i use i use that every day and 
it's it's miraculous like i don't even know why it's there like i imagine that it's an accessibility function like microsoft built that in because microsoft from day one or or for a long time it seems they have been really cool about making sure that their products have like all these different accessibility functions for people that you know maybe you know you know, you know, different, different with how their hearing is or their vision or their ability to, you know, to use keys and things like that. And I think that this tool, this command speak is part of that offering. But for me, I actually started doing this using a product called text aloud, probably more than a decade ago. And that was before this feature is built into windows. But when I found that it was built into windows, it was a game changer. I, I use it every day. I already, I sent an email to my accountant this morning. I used it because I, I don't like to send people things with typos in it, even to my accountant. Right. I like to look, yeah, I like to look yeah. professional. Well, it's a really good point too. Cause like, you know, you mentioned the story about going through uh, you know university and having that, but it's the same thing too. Like, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, these very August, uh, experienced attorneys that might not realize that they're coming off as slightly tone deaf for not being able to use some of these things. Right. And like, it's, you know, the typos are one thing, but if you can kind of consider like the gestalt of how somebody's presenting themselves, the technology that they're using, if you got the person who's got the ugly signature in the bottom of their email, they're going to, you're going to, they're going to just seem just a little bit less expert than the someone who just has everything seamless. The same thing, the typos are one manifestation of it, but you know, if not for the productivity gains, just, you know, as far as how you're coming off to people, which is, which is a very subtle, but very important thing. Yeah. I, well, I, and I would categorize that one under productivity as well, because, you know, one of the crazier methods of proofing documents that I've heard is like reading it backwards. I've never understood that one. I've never done it myself, but I've heard that people will read like each sentence, but they'll read it backwards. And if people do that, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not knocking how people want to engage with their written work and how they want to edit it and stuff. But um, actually, well, I wish that I had the review, you know, in my hand, I've, I've got a law student that's, that's, he's written me a review. It was way too long. So, he, you know, he's, he, he's going to pare it down. But on this specific point, he said that his previous method of proofing, I think he said that he thinks that it took him like, you know, two or three or four times longer because he would take his writing and then he'd sit on it and then he'd come back to it. And he'd, you know, he'd, he'd maybe do this backwards reading way or he'd, he'd do something. I, I don't have the review on me, but I was really happy when he said like, he basically said to me like, oh my goodness, like this is this method. Cause you also don't have to wait. If you write something, you're probably still going to need to wait until the next day. You know, you've maybe you've heard the expression that there's no such thing as good writing, only good rewriting. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to really make a good document, a good letter, a good, you know, pleadings for courts, you know, a good will, you know, whatever, you know, you should probably draft it on a Monday and then not use it until Tuesday or someday after that and look at it with fresh eyes, right? Mm-hmm. But using text to speech thing to me drastically cuts down the time that you need to kind of like wait and that you need to like, Oh, I don't know if it's quite ready or not, because if you listen to a document through with your um, text to speech with the, with the speak command, you know, when you're done making changes, if you listen to it and, and then you, you kind of go, huh, and you nod, it's like, yeah, it's done. You don't have to look at it anymore. You're confident. You know that it doesn't have any typos in it. You know, probably there's, there's no guarantees in life. But so, yeah, I, I, I categorize that one under productivity, too, because it. You know, sometimes I wish I could make the voice go a little faster. Like I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like, come on, like, hurry (laughs) up. But it's worth it. It's so it feels so good to send an email and be like, you know, that's 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 what I meant to say. It's what I'm sending is exactly what I meant to say. There's no typos. It's perfect. Yeah. 
And um, I mean, that's a really, really deep tip. And like, you know, it's kind of interesting. I also like the fact that it's it's kind of like an off-label use. So I'm mm-hmm. actually really intrigued because, you know, <laughs> if this is the way, it's it's a very creative approach to things. And I just wanted to say, like, as, as far as a high level, and I know we have kind of mentioned the course a couple of times, um, what's like the scope of what you go over? And I guess like, what are the, the, you know, what are the people that are getting the most out of this? Where are they coming in out of from? Yeah, so... <laughs> It's it's funny. I, I actually was chatting with somebody uh, recently and he asked me a really similar question. He said, like, he said, how did you, he said, I once thought about doing a course like this. And he said that he kind of was he was put off by trying to figure out the scope. Right. He couldn't figure out, like, what's too high level and what's too low level. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I tried to do with my course. So, number one, I tried to, you know, it's it, the, the kind of the professionalism comment that you mentioned before, you know, something something either, you know, looks polished or it kind of doesn't, right? There's this kind of not a lot of gray area. So I wanted it to be, you know, as, as great a production quality as I could give to the legal community so that it wasn't just another, you know, grainy talking head video and, 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 you know, something that you're going to fall asleep to, you know, I, I, you know, I, sh- I shot it on, you know, 4k cameras with two angles and, a, you know, a nice uh, expensive boom mic. And I've got B roll that happens. So you get to see other things. You get to see my hands, you know, there's text that comes in that explains, you know, a little bit more about what I'm saying. There's, there's titles that come at the bottom of the screen. I'm always changing the angles just so that it's interesting and engaging. So, and then, so as far as the actual level goes, I did try to keep it basically at like, if you came in and you, you barely knew how to turn the computer on, you'd probably be covered, you know, not, not entirely. Right. There are some, some basic things. I, I actually work with a, a, a fellow. He's a, is he retired yet? He's, he's a lawyer in the process of retirement. He's in his seventies. I am grateful for him because he occasionally does things with a computer that I would never have thought to do that. He doesn't know, like, Oh, I don't know. Like, like the Wi-Fi button. Sometimes laptops have Wi-Fi buttons, which I think is really stupid. I, I could understand why sometimes it's good to be able to like turn it on and off with a button, but you know, he didn't understand the button. And it's oh like, my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's like if, but if you don't understand the button, then your Wi-Fi doesn't work. And if your Wi-Fi doesn't work, then, you know, all the rest, right. Then you can't yeah. do what you need to do. So I tried to bring my lessons in at a pretty basic level. Like, you know, for example, that the headset uh, lesson, you know, when I started off, when I actually, when I start any lesson, I start with a definition. So when I start my headset lesson, I think that my script goes something like, you know, a headset is a wireless is a, is a set of headphones, usually with a microphone attached. So when I did, you know, when I did the video and, and said that, you know, I always felt really silly, like, wow, I'm actually describing like, here's what a headset is. But you know, I wanted to be thorough. I wanted to be comprehensive. I'm, you know, I'm a type A personality. I wanted to make sure that it was like, you know, bing, 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 it's set out. And then if anybody doesn't understand something and they want to ask me questions, you know, it, it was a little bit too high level for them. It was a little bit too low level for them, something, then I just invite people to just get in touch with me. You know, I'm a nice, personable, you know, available guy. I'm here to help. You know, I, you know, I certainly want to, uh, you know, do well and, you know, get people to take my course and, you know, make it my, uh, you know, make it, make a great living at it. But at the same time, you know, the heart of this, as I said earlier, the heart of it is that people were asking me for help. And um, it it felt kind of like the work that I used to do at IBM. And I loved working at IBM. It was the greatest job I ever had in my life, bar none. I loved it. I fixed computers for people. They were grateful. They didn't know why the, the dang thing broke. I did doesn't matter. They don't need to know why it broke. I fixed it. We move on, you know, with, with teaching the legal community about better ways to use technology. 
it's a bit of a different ball of wax because, you know, they do, there is a certain level of, you know, th th there needs to be a willingness to, to improve and a willingness to learn and, and, and people need to maybe start by recognizing a problem and want to improve. But, but yeah, so anyway, so sorry. So to answer your question, essentially, I, I would put it at kind of an intro to medium level. There's, there's kind of some advanced stuff in there that I think that I'd be really surprised if anybody ever used, like how to use a macro or how to use like a workflow. Mm -hmm. But for people that want to go there, then that's there. And in the future, I, my intention is also to kind of supplement the course and to continually build it with new lessons inside of it so that, you know, people can kind of just go in and, you know, they can follow the rubric and just go through. It's, it's, it's two parts. It starts with hardware is about an hour. And then the software part is about an hour and a half. You know, people can do that in the order that they, you know, whatever order they want, and they can do those lessons. But in the future, you know, if people want to drill into a more specific subject, you know, I'm going to be bringing those in as well. You know, I, I really want to offer just like a full, you know, comprehensive view of, you know, this is how I do it. And, and I think that this can benefit you too. And then as far as who the audience is, I would say that I find, you know, for the time being, I'm finding the most traction with, you know, solo practitioners, small firms, medium, not so much with people at the bigger firms. But at the same time, you know, there, there really isn't any reason why somebody at a big firm couldn't take this course. And, you know, I'm, I'm certain that they would walk away and learn multiple things that they could start using, you know, all the time. You know, I, I appreciate that big firms have, you know, big money and big education budgets and, and they do they do internal training. But I don't know if anybody's doing training like this. I've never encountered it before. And that was that was part of why I wanted to do it. Yeah, I'll say this too. Um, just as far as our own experience with our client base, it's like, you know, we have people that are big firms that, that definitely fit that bill. You know, sometimes it's not surprising to have the situation where you have kind of like, I'm not going to say bumbling, but, you know, sort of a hapless solo here and there. And like, you yep. kind of expect, I mean, those people take jobs too. So <laughs> at the end of the day too, it's like, you know, I don't think a lot of people have IT guys, maybe. I don't know who would fill that role specifically, but I don't think they're preaching the gospel like you are for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I also say this too. So, I mean, it's super appreciate you coming on, Sean. And then just as far as people that are, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they're interested and take the next step? Yeah, I would, I would ask them to go to my website. It's waythorn.com, uh, just like it sounds. Um, no E on the end. And if, if anybody wants to chat with me, they can, they can find me on LinkedIn or on Facebook. I'm pretty open as far as social media goes. You know, my, I use, I use Facebook for business, you know, for the most part. But yeah, I, I would, yeah, people could do that or they could, they could send me an email, you know, through the website, you know, whatever, whatever works best for people. Okay. Awesome. And then we'll have um, some links to that in the show notes as well for anyone who's listening. So um, sure. yeah, Sean, thanks again for everyone else listening. You know, just, I want you guys to consider there's leverage in this. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of law you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're practicing the law at all. You know, this could just be for your day-to-day -day life. Uh, efficiency gains here are going to spill over to save time, more stuff done, more impact made. So consider it. And then for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.